What's up, listeners? Monday, November 26, 2017, 6.18 p.m. here on the East Coast. We're going to talk about a column that I wrote Monday afternoon for the Comeback.com about the Portland Trailblazers who finished 25th in points allowed per game last year and 24th in points given up per 100 possessions. They finished 500 last year, 41-41. and 41. Got the 8th seed in the West, lost to the Golden State Warriors in a sweep. Through 20 games this season, they're 12-8 and eight after starting 10-10 and 10 last year. Their defense is way better. Third in points allowed per 100 possessions, fourth in points allowed per game. They barely turned the roster over last year because they had salary cap constraints. So how did they do it? So Friday, while you guys were just shopping for Black Friday, I was working. I talked with Blazers head coach Terry Stotts and two of their key rotation defenders, Evan Turner and Ed Davis, along with Nets head coach Kenny Atkinson on how they improved so much. Basically, it comes down to they improved a lot in four key areas. They limit opponents' three-point attempts, they limit offensive rebounds, they protect the paint, and they excel in transition. Those are great ways to get your defense up from 25th to 4th, just in one season by barely turning over their roster, by barely changing any of their players at all. Blazers are third in field goal percentage defense, second in effective field goal defense. Right now, they just allow eight and a half made three-pointers per game, which is second in the NBA and eighth in attempts allowed. So denying the three-point line is something that they analytics really think is important, and it's something bared out in the statistics as well. Also, they get the teams to shoot a lot of long two-point shots, which is something the analytics say is really, really important. Teams attempted 10.5 shots so far this season between 15 and 19 feet. That's 10.5 shots per game. That's a long two. That's the second most in the NBA. So if you deny the three-point line, make them take long perimeter jump shots. Those are low-percentage shots. Those are the ones you want your opponents to take. Atkinson said, I think they get the analytical puzzles that we're all posed with. They understand what type of shots they're giving up. The Blazers, they have great defending big men, led by Yusuf Nurkic. Ed Davis is in there as well. The Blazers, they give up offensive rebounds on just 22% of their possessions, third in the NBA. That's why they give up the eighth fewest second chance points per game. Also, they're great in the pick and roll. When guarding the roll man, the roll man in pick and rolls against the Blazers, they're averaging just .93 points per possession, the fifth best total in the NBA. They're also great in transition. They just allow .97 points for transition possession, the second best total in the league. Even Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, who are not known for their defensive ability, they're buying in, according to Atkinson, and Terry Stotts echoes that also. Their statistics are not great on the defensive end, but just the fact that they're buying in and they're helping out on pick-and-roll defense, on denying the three-point line, against all the great point guards and shooting guards in the NBA is really speaks volumes to how they're trying to become elite two-way players, just not just great offensive players. As we reach the quarter pole of the regular season, Portland is trying to 
assert themselves as the top defensive team. So far, they've done it. Every team has scorers, Ed Davis told me. Every team has guys that is going to put up 100 points. It's the defensive teams that have that success in the playoffs and go on those runs. People always talk about Golden State's offense, but their defense is the reason why they are as good as they are. The last three years, the Golden State Warriors were known for their offense, but they were the, in the top five in defensive efficiency each of their last three years they made the finals. In order for the Blazers to not just be a first round out in the playoffs, they realize they need to really improve on the defensive end. A quarter of the way into the NBA season, they've done that and have become in a top five elite level defense. You can read my entire column at thecomeback.com. This is Sprung on Sports Radio. What's up? Monday, November 26th. We're going to talk about the big news of the NBA day today. That's the Memphis Grizzlies unexpectedly, shockingly firing head coach David Fisdale, which was a mistake. I guess it. the Grizzlies have lost 11 out of 13 games after a really hot, I think it was a 5-1 start that they had. But they just had a roster full of injury-prone players. Mike Conley went down with an injury that will still keeping him out. Chandler Parsons' knee is balky again a little bit. It's just not a great constructed roster, one that they'll eventually have to tear down. But after making the playoffs for seven straight seasons, ownership and management have uh, these expectations of making the playoffs again with a roster that doesn't really stack up in the Western Conference. And so when on Sunday night, David Fisdale benched Marcus Saul for the fourth quarter of their loss to the Brooklyn Nets, that may have been the last straw. Apparently, according to Jonathan Gavoni of Draft Express and ESPN, that they had gotten to numerous arguments in the past. And I guess when you don't have a great relationship with your franchise player, that doesn't work in your favor. But I just don't see how the coach is really the problem here. David Fisdale, widely regarded as a great coaching mind, and it was really a shock when Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, broke the news. It was probably like sometime in the 4 o'clock hour Eastern time on Monday. So there were a lot of reactions on the Twitterverse. Mine was, of course, that it's just not, not a good look for the Grizzlies. Not something they should have done. A pretty, I'd say it was just a short-sighted decision. You could see my tweet uh, on Twitter on Twitter moments right after Woj's tweet, so that makes me pretty legit. <laughs> uh, in a statement announcing Fisdale's firing, Grizzlies GM Chris Wallace said that it was his decision, quote, I decided a change in course was necessary to move forward and provide the team and organization its best chance at success this season and beyond. There are a lot of problems with that. A lot of them having to do with Wallace's uh, and the front office's inability to draft or acquire young players to really build around Gasol and Conley. We started a little bit this year, but really not enough to keep the Grizzlies likely out of the lottery this year. Let's uh, get to some reactions from Twitter that I really enjoyed. Chris Herring of 538, if anything, Memphis seemed to overachieve with Fizz. 
So this one is really surprising to me. He also said the Gasol issue complicates stuff a lot, but for sure. But this fire with Conley out and the team struggling reminds me of Mike Malone firing in Sacramento when he got axed in the midst of a slump when Boogie was sick. Boogie was uh, injured. They'd gotten off to a good start, and then they short-sightedly fired Mike Malone, who's enjoying success now. In Denver, my buddy Jared Jubin Fizz did a lot of good things in 100 or so game. Got Marcus Gasol to shoot threes, Conley to be more aggressive. Take that for data, which will end up being the signature moment of David Fisdale's tenure with the Grizzlies. They're not going to rook us. He made contributors out of a lot of fringy guys. This is not a well-constructed Memphis Grizzlies roster. And David Fisdale got a lot out of them, more so than a lot of other NBA coaches would have, especially coaches who are in their first jobs in their first season as coach. Got a lot out of them. Also, Ira Winderman, who was locked into the Miami Heat beat, uh, who knows David Fisdale from his assistant days under Eric Spolster in Miami, was told the Marcus All episode contributed heavily. Tom Haberstrow, Marcus All's 33 in January. Mike Connolly is plagued with chronic Achilles issues in year two of a five-year, 150 million deal. Fisdale takes the fall. It just seemed like David Fisdale was an unnecessary scapegoat in all of this. And if the Grizzlies had exhibited more patience, which they should have, they would have realized that the Grizzlies are probably going to be bad this season, no matter who the head coach is. A new head coach, uh, J.B. Bickerstaff is going to be interim, is not going to help. And it was just a really short-sighted, dumb decision by the Grizzlies. I've run out of time. This is Sprung on Sports Radio.